Hello, it's 28th of July and this is episode 38 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So, I would normally ask you how your week is in Star Wars has been, Kirsty, but since I saw you yesterday, that feels a bit redundant, because <laughs> I feel like I have quite a good level of knowledge of how your week has been. Yeah, well, it means I had a great week. Aww, same for me. Like, seriously, <laughs> Kirsty is so awesome. She got me a mug, <laughs> and it is the best mug, because it has, you have compassion for her on it so it's like a total Raylo mug and it's amazing and I gotta have my hot chocolate in it so thank you oh yeah you're welcome I just love that quote because it's it's kind of underutilized because it's just it only appears in the novelization but for obvious reasons we enjoy it (laughs) yes we are like totally stunning for that scene to be restored to its proper place in The Last Jedi something like it (laughs) yeah and if it happens I think we're gonna be like absolutely squeeing like I just, I can't fathom how I'm going to be in the theatre for The Last Jedi. I kind of feel like I'm going to be like a total maniac. <laughs> it's always like the last two years of my life have like been building to this pinnacle, this like shining moment. <laughs> it's like Yeah, I almost feel like for the last week before it comes out, I'm going to have to be talking myself down and being like, okay, it might suck. <laughs> like, expect the worst, just expect that it's going to be awful so yeah. that I'm like, actually wow that was really good yeah that is the best way to enjoy things or at least historically it has been the best way to enjoy things for me um so yeah i'm gonna try i'm sure i'll fail though because how can you possibly overcome that extreme level of hype i think it's impossible (laughs) um but yeah this week has been so so crazy for star wars stuff because there's been lots of official things coming out of san diego comic-con and then there's also been lots and lots of leaks, which I'm sure Lucasfilm are less happy about. Yeah, a big leak happened yes. yesterday, like half an hour after I'd left you and got the train. <laughs> you sent me a message like, oh my god, <laughs> you need to go and look at all this stuff right now. And there are so many new images and everything. And yeah, it's it's a leak, so I'm sure official people are not very happy about it but it's very exciting for us fans yeah the best thing was how they like left it for like i don't know six seven hours i don't know what they were doing like filing their nails or something and then they (laughs) finally got the host to take the images down from the original source but of course by that point thousands of people have downloaded them and saved them and re-uploaded them on tumblr like seriously it's ridiculous by the time disney got around to issuing the takedown notices fan art of these images had already been (laughs) produced people were very quick to yeah make edits of the images and yeah like make art and everything so it's pretty funny because i mean even if it's up for five minutes it's too late exactly yeah like you might be able to take down the original but you can't take down the edit with kylo ren and a flower crown you know <laughs> like there's limits to what you can do in these stations. yeah i mean i feel bad for the people who do work on this stuff because if you look at these photos it's obvious that this was going to be used for promotional purposes and now kind of the wind has been taken out of those sails <laughs> Uh, Do you mean that the fan wasn't meant to be seen by the public, Kirsty? I I enjoy the fan. I think it's hilarious because <laughs> Kylo Ren is the kind of person who would have a little wind machine. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he'd also hire someone to follow him around work to carry the wind machine let's face it exactly yeah Yeah, it's amazing yeah we will discuss that properly in due course um yeah so to get the business out of the way if you haven't done so already please do rate or review us on itunes because that always massively helps us out and many thanks if you've already done so because you are a legend and we love you very much um, if you have any questions for the podcast, you can email them to scavengershoard at gmail.com. I know I keep on saying that we will get to questions, and I, each time I say I'm sincere, I promise I come to this with very pure intent, and I, in my very pure, intentful way, <laughs> mean to get to questions. But then just the week smothers us with news. And it's also the question of we're on like a weird random schedule at the moment where we're basically just doing it when we can fit it in. So we're not doing it like clockwork like we normally do because we're both on summer break and it's complicated and life and everything. And yeah, because there's a bit longer between episodes, it means there's more stuff to cover in each episode, which generally means that the questions get waved bye-bye. It's sad, and I wish we it didn't happen, but it does. So at one point when we have a quiet moment, which might be for a while, <laughs> we will maybe have like a whole show of questions or something like that to get through them all. But alas, probably not today. Sorry. Right, to move into the news, the first story is that we have had a nice rundown of all the Last Jedi tie-in books that are to come out soon that we can expect to see on our shelves probably starting around Force Friday so early September time and then I expect they'll be phasing them up until December um, so yeah there is a lovely article on the official site stars.com and it's got images of all the covers I, I think there are also like synopses of some of these available so we'll allude to them where it's relevant mm-hmm. um i think the first few images are from star wars adventures which is like a comic book series aimed at younger readers i think yeah i really like this animation style yeah no it's really dynamic and cool looking i'd like to see more things drawn in that way so i mm. think when they try to draw it in like this hyper realistic way or they try to make it too loyal to the likenesses of the actors it often just comes across as quite like awkward and weird looking. Yeah, like this one of Luke and Leia together. I just think that's really cool. It is really cool. And I think they also sell you on the fact that they're siblings. Oh yeah, definitely. That facial structure. Very <laughs> nice. Um, then there's a comic that I had no idea existed. Star Wars Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic. And mm. I must confess, I have like negative interest in it then like i'm that, that's just me personally obviously i'm sure many other people are really really excited so i know mace is a popular character but just for me it doesn't do much and then there's also a thrawn comic book adaption do you for those appeal to you um i will be interested to see what comes out of them but i might not read them myself the thrawn one is interesting to me just because we only just had the book and now they're adapting that exact story for this comic did you know that No, I didn't know that that was what they were doing. That's quite interesting. It's an interesting choice, isn't it? Because I think some people have expressed disappointment over it. They kind of wanted an original story. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. I've heard lots of great things about the Thrawn book. So if people were happy with that, then they might be really interested to see it adapted to another medium. Yeah. No, totally. I can understand the appeal of it. Um, Then there's some Lego stuff. 
forces of destiny tie-in which is very I really cute. like those illustrations. Yes, they are. Like, I love how fierce Frey looks. Oh, yeah, she does look pretty angry. But everyone else is kind of serene. Yeah, everyone else <laughs> looks quite serene and friendly. And then Ray's like, ah! <laughs> I love it, like, Maz in the middle. She looks so, like, blissed out. Like, <laughs> She looks like a little turtle. <laughs> yes. She looks like a high turtle. <laughs> Hi, get <cat>, my friend. <laughs> um, then we have ah, this one's actually really interesting. Journey to Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Star Wars TM, Canto Bite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard that this is like a series of short stories about various like characters and creatures in the affluent casino world of Canto Bite. So yeah, like I'm already very intrigued by that world just from the images we've seen of it. So I'm very curious to see it fleshed out more. So yeah, this is one of the books I might actually bother with. Oh yeah, same. I really like the idea of delving into more of the backstories of like the aliens that you see in these photos. Yeah, same. They're all going to have their own little reasons for being there and Canto Bight is obviously being positioned as this quite mysterious, opulent place where nothing is it as it first appears so intriguing precisely <laughs> um then we have something that's aimed at my reading level world <laughs> reading level two journey to star wars colon the last jedi star wars tm a leader named leia includes stickers um because the stickers are clearly the most important thing um i'm very curious that that book is under the journey to star wars the last jedi banner because mm-hmm. I really doubt it has anything direct to do with The Last Jedi, surely. Like... Um, maybe not directly, but I don't know if Leia's going to be featured more prominently. It might give younger readers like a kind of quick catch-up on who Leia is and what she's about, because she obviously demonstrates very strong leadership qualities. That's true, yeah. I just love the idea of little girls reading this. Yes. So Leia is such a badass. She's been inspiring people for decades. So I just love the idea of new fans coming to her for this. And I guess we'll talk about it more later with Forces of Destiny. Mm. But it's really exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. It's really nice to see her put front and centre of merchandise like this. Then the next book is The Power of the Force. Mm. And it's got a nice cover. It's got a lovely illustration of Rey in the middle with her resistance outfit and her lightsaber. Although she looks dangerously close to chopping her arm, uh, chopping her own arm off. <laughs> you get that a lot with these photos, don't you? It's yeah. Like, well, it hazardous. Yeah, I don't think anyone's been teaching them lightsaber health and safety. That's very dangerous. <laughs> um, then the next one is A Big Golden Book, Tales of the Force. And there's lovely illustrations of all the various characters. There's like... a nice window. Yes. Saying we've got the comic with... and he's on both of these covers. Yeah, so they clearly think he's marketable because they're shoving his face everywhere. Um, my favourite thing here is the little cartoon Kylo with his scary red eyes. It's like they're trying really hard to make him very fearsome and it's cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only scary photo of, um, even image of him I've seen lately. Like, with the red eyes. Like, is that just the glare from his lightsaber? Yeah, this is the only one of him that I remember seeing where he's, like, not crying or about to cry. So, um, yeah, he's been a strong lad. Yeah, Darth Maul and the Emperor look pretty funny. <laughs> Darth Maul looks like an absolute maniac. <laughs> Which is appropriate. Um, 
Oh, then the next one looks really cool. The Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. And yeah, this is totally one I'm going to read. Oh yeah, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, so they were explaining at Comic-Con that the concept of it is like these people sat around a campfire and telling literal stories they've heard about Luke, like and what he got up to from when he was like a young member of the Rebellion to when he was like an older Jedi Master. And yeah, just as a concept, it sounds so cool. Yeah, I think I saw that like one of the stories is about this kind of like, I don't even know what the name of the alien would be, but it's kind of like a a little flea um, <laughs> that was supposedly on Luke's shoulder when he was doing something important. Like I think it was when he went to Java's palace. So it's like he's recounting that version of the story from his perspective. Wow, that is quite something. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of a cool way to get around that, um, like the objective truth of canon or what some fans perceive it to be because Star Wars is mythology, right? So yeah. The idea of it is that it's this oral history that's been passed down and probably embellished and exaggerated to various degrees. Um, but this is kind of a cool way for them to get around it because obviously everyone wants to know what Luke's been up to, but this doesn't put anything in stone. It's all kind of about building up the mystery and you wonder what's right, what's completely false. Um, I'm just really excited to see what these stories tell us. Yeah, definitely. It's very much like a stroke of genius, I think. Um, although it's funny because I know from experience that Star Wars fans, they, they just don't get that. They don't get things being subjective. Um, so I'm sure that there's going to be lots of people questioning Pablo and saying, oh, but in Tales of Luke, it doesn't. Yeah, I guess that's the side of fandom that we see because it's that's kind of how some people interact on Twitter. But it's probably not most fans. Yeah, that's true. I, like, I think it's just a vocal minority. The beginning of the film, say, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like, it's obviously not supposed to be taken too literally. <laughs> yeah. It's a fairy tale. <laughs> exactly. Then the next book is another one that's probably going to be a must-read, which is Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. And, yeah, this is a must-read for obvious reasons, because Claudia Gray is a great author, and that subject matter, like, because I think this is about the very beginning of how Leia gets involved in the Rebellion. Is that right, Kirsty? Yeah, and I saw people um, talking about it being a lot about um, her parents as well mm. uh, and how they're kind of trying to protect her and maybe keeping secrets from her. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, so, it, I mean, if this is her, like, as a teenager, trying to figure out where she belongs, right? Because kind of when you meet her in A New Hope, she's not like Luke. She's kind of already figured out what she's about yeah uh, she's not on a hero's journey in the same way so i'm hoping that this kind of fills in that gap yeah no so it has to be about that realization and that progression towards okay i want to be involved in this fight because she won't have like grown up like as a toddler being like yay the rebellion she might have <laughs> been like vaguely conscious of it as a child but she won't have been like an active participant mm -hmm. so there has to have been progression towards that the stuff you were saying about her parents keeping secrets and stuff from her, I do wonder if that maybe will be like framed as like a, an odd parallel to how Leia then goes on to raise her own child, because obviously we know she keeps secrets from Ben Solo when he was a boy, but I guess it remains to be seen how similar those situations will be. I think that's possible because people were saying at the panel that um, it is going to have some things that feed into The Last Jedi, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. Um, so it, it's probably going to be something like that. 
Mm. But it's a way of just telling us more about Leia's character and her upbringing that would maybe explain, yeah, what's going on in the present day. Yeah. Because that's kind of what Bloodline did as well, right? Yes, definitely. It provided like further context and stuff for um, the character that we then meet in The Force Awakens. Because mm-hmm. I think if you go from Return of the Jedi layer to Force Awakens layer with no material in between to fill in the gaps, it does feel like uh, I don't understand how we got from there to there, if that makes sense. So that's when these books can be like godsends, because obviously you can use your imagination to fill in the gaps, but there is always that intrigue of, oh, but what really happened? Mm. Yeah, and I really love the cover art. I kept seeing this with cover not final over the top of it, and I had my fingers crossed they would go with this because it's really beautiful. Yeah, same. It's a really lovely illustration because it's so clearly like Carrie, but it's obviously her as like a young girl. Like you buy that as a teenager. Mm. Um, right. And then another one, which certainly a must read for me, is Phasma by Delilah S. Dawson. Um, because even though I'm not a big Phasma person. I'm very intrigued to see how the story of like the First Order and stuff is channeled through that character, if that makes sense. I think I could end up being a Phasma person. Mm. I feel like The Last Jedi is going to make or break it. Yeah. Because we're kind of getting hints that she's going to play a more important role in the narrative and she's going to be spending a lot of screen time, or not a lot of screen time, but she's going to be important in Finn's story. Yeah. They're- they have to make her more compelling like she has to have something more going on and they're kind of hinted that we're going to see her face which yes. is so i think i will read this book and yeah see what's- no, definitely like i'm obviously also going to see what people say about it so if people say oh there's nothing of interest here it's like they clearly do it in such a way where it doesn't really tell you much more about the background the conflict and blah 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 then i probably would be less interested but if people are saying oh yeah it's actually good at fleshing out the backstory and the conflict and everything then i'll be more on board yeah i do, i in a way i'm if i decide i want to read a book i'm always reluctant to see what other people are saying about it because i don't want to be spoiled mm. so maybe i'll just see what you say yeah <laughs> yay or nay exactly i think there's going to be lots of reading to do so that could be my share of the load kind of <laughs> um Right, and then we have what I believe is a limited series comic, um, which is Star Wars Captain Phasma. And I still can't get over the fact that there's that random shot of Rey and Kylo fighting in the background. It's like, what does it have to do with Phasma? I don't understand. Yeah, unless she was just stood off to the side watching them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. They, like, cut to, like, a wider shot. Like Phasma's just there like a deck chair, like with popcorn <laughs> watching them fight. <laughs> yeah, it would be so random. Um yeah, that doesn't really make any sense to me. Bless them. Maybe it's just to kind of show this is the time period that it's set in. It's her just after she's been in the trash compactor and trying to escape. <laughs> I guess it's a like somewhat more dignified way of reflecting the time frame. They could have literally shown her in the clash trash compactor. <laughs> I guess they will inside, right? They must, yeah, if that's the story they're telling. Yeah, I want to know how she got out of there. I hope she has like a banana skin on her in like a comical <laughs> fashion. <laughs> um, then there's a colouring book, which it just includes the old image that's been used on all the packaging, so not much to say. 
build a droid glow in the dark starfighters what i've always wanted <laughs> um annual 2018 blah 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 stealth mission book and model <sighs> <laughs> sorry i'm so mean <laughs> oh I'm such an asshole um <laughs> then keepsake coloring book it's very cute but and it also oh, has adorable. adorable little cartoon porgs yeah the pugs the pugs i hope they have their own spin-off tv series um oh my, they could they could they totally could um then bb8 deluxe bo- book and 3d wood model i'm not gonna look for the secrets of the last jedi in that um <laughs> same for an a-wing yeah whatever um star wars absolutely everything you need to know blah, blah, blah. I don't know what... Oh, it's another model thing. <laughs> Sorry, I sound so scornful. <laughs> um, Star Wars Made Easy, which I'm told is like for Star Wars noobs. So yeah. like, you have someone in your life who knows nothing about Star Wars and you want to try and convert them, I think. <laughs> I like this idea. Because, you know, to to get into Star Wars, you don't want to be like, well, you just have to watch all seven movies or, or all eight movies now, I suppose. Like, it's just not quite accessible to do that. Yeah. So if someone's maybe seen one of them and is like, oh, I, I want to know more about Yoda or whatever, yeah. this is a really cool introduction. I have like a mental image of like a Star Wars obsessive getting together with someone who doesn't give a crap about Star Wars and then giving this book to that person as like a Christmas present <laughs> and saying, if you want this relationship to last, <laughs> study this. <laughs> this is the kind of book that I can imagine like really pedantic extreme fans reading and being like this didn't tell me anything new what a waste of money (laughs) yes it's like it's not for you (laughs) Um, and then there's star wars tm stormtroopers beyond the armor this is really interesting i hadn't heard about this ah yeah john boyega yeah no i think i saw a preview page from inside i think it like it definitely has stuff on Finn as well, so it goes like into a bit of detail, like about Finn's journey in the Force Awakens and stuff. So this definitely seems more interesting than what the cover might suggest. So I think it's easy to look at that cover and think, oh, it's just another like build a thing book. Which, no disrespect, that's fine if people like those things, but I don't find them very enriching. But I think this might actually be something of substance. So yeah, cool. I can imagine this giving us some interesting insights into how stormtroopers live and how they're kind of brainwashed and stuff like that. And like that that then informs our understanding of Finn as well. Yeah, totally. Cool. And then the next batch of books, um, they are all direct Star Wars The Last Jedi tie-ins and they're all on sale on December 15th, which is the same day that the movie comes out. So I'd imagine that these are all books that have some plot details in them that isn't the case with the other books um because yeah obviously they're not going to be releasing the novelization in october so you can read ahead um the first one is chewy in the porgs which is simultaneously one of the most cynical and the most cute things i have ever seen (laughs) i am so buying this yes it's adorable this art is lovely Yes. And just the porgs look so cute and yeah, this makes me really happy. I love how they make the porgs themselves look happy as well. <laughs> they look like they're smiling, which should be creepy, but it's just really cute. <laughs> and they're just like f- flying. They're like, I have, don't have a care in the world. 
I don't care about this like Jedi dark side conflict. It's all fine. Like, who gives a crap? Life is great. Just makes me feel happy. Um, yeah, and then the description of it from Emmy Award-winning writer Kevin Shinnick comes a lovable tale of Chewbacca the Wookiee and the pesky porks of Acto Island, featuring adorable illustrations by artist Fiona Hishai. <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Then the next one is another one that looks really interesting, and it is Cobalt Squadron. Am I saying that right, Kirsty? Isn't it Cobalt, like the the metal or the color? I suppose it's one of those words I've always seen written down, and I've never been told how to say it. So your version sounds correct. So let's go with that. I think it's a pretty cool name for a squadron. It is, and they look really badass. So the cover illustration shows Paige, Rose, and then some other guy. <laughs> um, he's wearing a mask, but you can't tell who it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a new character. Um, and yeah, and they all look very heroic and awesome. They also have those um, New Republic fighters in the background, which mm-hmm. I think are like what Holdo has with her in the film. But don't quote me on that. And the description. New New York Times best-selling author Elizabeth Wine. Um, I'm sorry. I've probably horribly butchered your name. Journeys to a galaxy far, far away to bring readers the harrowing story of the courageous bomber pilots and technicians of Cobalt... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, could you say it to me again? Cobalt Squadron. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just not going to let myself say that again. I'm going to engineer things in such a way that I don't have to. Um, yeah, it looks really good and I want to read it. And Rose yeah. looks amazing. It's a great look at Rose. Yeah, anything with Rose, I am definitely going to buy and read, like including this next one. This yeah. is probably one of the ones I'm most excited about, actually. Yeah. And the next one is Rose and Finn's mission. Most importantly, it also includes foil stickers um, because that's what we want. And then the description, Finn and Rose rally for the resistance in this film tie-in storybook. And the cover image is really cool. It's very evocative of Han and Leia in The Empire Strikes Back. So you seem mm. to be having some like, disagreement. <laughs> but it's a nice, like, characterful picture of them both. Yeah, it kind of looks like she's pointing that tool at him. <laughs> like they're yeah. having some disagreement of some kind. But who knows? Like It, it could be misleading. Yeah. She um, looks a bit I'm... like she's saying, I might stab you with this if you keep on, <laughs> like, down this path. <laughs> but yeah, I doubt they'd get that like, brutal. Um, hunched over to kind of emphasise the height difference. Yeah, it's cute. Which is my weakness as a shipper. So. <laughs> All about that height difference. Right. Yeah, if they're not going for romance with these two, then they are very much leading us in that direction. <laughs> yeah, it's called misleading marketing if they're not. Yeah, they know what they're doing here, so... Yeah. Then the next one is Star Wars Five Minute Stories Strike Back. And I'm pretty sure this is like a reissue, but it's going to have new tales in it. And the most notable addition on the cover is Rose, like as one of the heroes. Mm. And it's really cool. I love just seeing her and slotted in with them like that. Um, Because I was kind of afraid with Rose that she might not be front and centre of things, you know, because the actress isn't known and the character is a completely unknown quantity. But they're clearly trying to push her as a big, big element of the film, which is exciting. Yeah, I think it's clear that she's going to be a lead. So Yeah. Totally. 
and they're promoting her as such. Then the synopsis as well. A brand new collection of 12 action-packed retellings that span the entire Star Wars saga, including two tales from Star Wars The Last Jedi. These exciting stories can, be re can each be read in just five minutes. Perfect for galactic adventures at light speed. Or as I like to call it, perfect for harassed parents with limited <laughs> time. <laughs> it's a cute little bedtime story. It is. I'm sorry, I'm like full on cynicism today. It's really bad. <laughs> Um, then the next one is Ray's Journey World of Reading Level 2 and again the synopsis Ray travels to the distant planet of Act 2 in search of the long lost Jedi Master Luke Skywalker this doesn't tell us a great deal but it's a really cool image of Ray on the cover mm -hmm. I think it's kind of funny that I mean is this going to be about her literally flying the Falcon to Act 2 because it kind of starts up as The Force Awakens finished, right? So there's not yeah. a gap. So it must be just be like what we didn't see at the end of The Force Awakens in terms of her actually getting there. Yeah, I kind of think it means journey in a more broad sense, not just the journey to Act 2. Because oh, you feel like it'll be like a, a version of the novelization. I think it will tell part of the story of the film because that's oh. what these World of Reading books tend to be. They'll like take a particular sequence from the film and they'll retell it. So there's like a, a World of Reading book called Chaos at the Castle and that is all the Takadana stuff from The Force Awakens oh, in isolation. Okay. So I'd expect Rey's journey to be about this is Rey's adventures on Act 2. Mm. She and Luke are training and then this bad thing happens and that kind of thing yeah um, it's just such a vague term that it almost sounds like it would either cover the whole film or like the actual literal journey of her getting there do you know what i mean yeah but like, i guess because they don't want to give anything away right now they can't be like ray going into the force tree or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly ray joins the dark side <laughs> it's not based that? on a spoiler guys but... like qui-gon's noble end <laughs> Ray kills Luke. <laughs> Ray loses her hand. <laughs> uh, no, that's going to be for the wave that comes after the film. <laughs> um, then there's the art of Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is a beautiful cover. It shows Ray like, just in the landscape with the islands of Act 2 behind her. Yeah, it's lovely. And, does she uh, only have two buns in that illustration? She does, which disturbs me as like a detail obsessed person but I can put it down to artistic license <laughs> so it's fine um, but yeah it's cool and it's a nice counterpoint to that very dark cover that we got for The Force Awakens Yeah. Um, the art book because the art book for The Force Awakens the cover was Kylo from behind looking very menacing and scary mm -hmm. yeah the art book was one of my I think that's one of my favourite Star Wars books that I own, so I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I've just so moved and I had to keep the art book with me because I was like, no, this is too important to just put in storage. It's coming home. Yeah, but. it's just so cool to see the evolution of all the ideas they have and discard and adapt. Yeah, I really like the chronological format and because they're clearly not prepared to give us actual making of books for the foreseeable future is the closest we can get to that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice. And the description of that, 
step inside the art department of Star Wars The Last Jedi and experience the creation of fantastical worlds, unforgettable characters, and unimaginable creatures, featuring content from the earliest gathering of artists and production designers at Lucasfilm headquarters in San Francisco, to the fever pitch of production at Pinewood Studios, to the conclusion of post-production at Industrial Light and Magic. <laughs> so yeah, that's exciting. Um, and then we have Stoll's The Last Jedi cover, not final. Uh, that's not the actual title. The actual title is the Visual Dictionary, um, which is by our friend Pablo. And yeah, like uh, it, it is what you'd expect. It's just going to be like all the other Visual Dictionaries and have lots of arrows pointing at things. This is actually one of the books I'm most excited for because I find oh, really? the visual yeah, I find the visual dictionary is really exciting. Um, I've no, what never am I saying? Read You've never read the visual dictionary? No, I actually I saw it in a shop earlier today and it was only seven pounds and I considered buying it but just didn't Oh, it's really good. Seriously it tells like so it fills in so many little details and stuff and I don't even mean like boring details. Like <laughs> this is the um Boof fur cloak that um, Ray acquired on at the bazaar in Canto Bite or something like that. It's like stuff that actually gives you a sense about the characters' backgrounds, like lots of insights into Ray's childhood and her thoughts about her childhood and how she re- relates to her abandonment. All of that stuff came from the Visual Dictionary. Mm. Yeah, so, a lot of that stuff. I, I have Ray's survival guide, mm-hmm. and I have like the storybook and all. Like, there's so much side material like as we can see you're just going through this list um yeah and like when if you're talking just about like ray's parentage there were so many little quotes like oh she remembered her parents in this one oh she doesn't remember in this one oh she's abandoned oh like like do you know what i mean like there's all these little statements that can be considered contradictory yeah um, that's not like the final word so i kind of fatigued myself with that stuff just by <laughs> yeah i i understand like taking a more cynical approach to it but yeah like i'd recommend it the visual dictionary like i remember for the force awakens i think the pages from the visual dictionary leaked um a few days before the film did and of course i had no self-control i had to look and it was so exciting i don't recommend doing that though because yeah it's too much and you need to keep something secret for yourself so Mm -hmm. i wonder if that would happen this time oh i'm sure it will because just the nature of how books are printed and distributed that they're they are there are always going to be leaks a few days in advance. That must be pretty straight security. We work on these. It is, but because of that they are very careful to word things in a very like oblique way and keep things very indirect. So for example in the Force Awakens visual dictionary, there is no acknowledgement of the fact that Kylo Ren is the son of Han and Leia. They allude to it quite heavily, so it doesn't take like a genius to figure it out but it's never directly stated because they know these things happen and they take precautions against it. Mm. I guess that's what I mean about not being too intent on reading them mm-hmm. because how much can they actually tell you because they come out before the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just me being super cynical. Like the novels I'll happily read because they're stories in their own right, but the stuff yeah. that's about canon fact, I'm like, well, all of it's going to come out in the movie anyway. So Yeah. We'll see. I'll convert you yet. No. <laughs> Sorry, Pablo. <laughs> I know you're listening. Yes, he's our number one fan. Um, then Star Wars The Last Jedi, incredible cross-sections. 
Um, I have the Force Awakens ones. I wanted to see what um, Kylo's ship looked like from the inside. Um, but these books don't really do that much for me. So I'm not a very technical person. But they're fine and they are cool. I understand the appeal very much. Yeah, they look like they're going to have pretty beautiful illustrations. I'm not really a ship person, but... Oh, you are. Just... <laughs> this kind of ship. <laughs> Sorry, I- I'm the one who keeps on driving that home. <laughs> um, right, but then... I get why other people are into them. Yeah, know? no, sure. Like, and it is a big part of Star Wars for many people, so I'm yeah. not knocking it at all. It's just, it's not really for us yeah the sheer amount of content that's coming out like you have to be a bit selective you can't buy everything otherwise i'd have absolutely no money exactly because just this list alone there's dozens and dozens of books and it's crazy Mm. um then there is bomber command which is amazingly published by studio fun which is the greatest publisher name i think i've ever come across (laughs) um Complete with stories, secrets, and insights, this guide will immerse readers in the world of... Could you say it, please, Kirsty? Cobalt Squadron? I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I trust you more than I trust myself. (laughs) Um, From Star Wars The Last Jedi, includes gatefolds with exclusive artifacts, including starship schematics and more. Um, Not for me, but it's fine. There, There are people who will like it, so great. I suppose that could still have insights on Rose, I don't know, because she's part of that squadron. Or at least, like, what she does in terms of work. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Like, because she's clearly the character that book is going to be about. Mm. Um, and Star Wars Creatures and Aliens. I'm just going to whiz through these now, Kirsty, because we've been talking so long. And I think it's interesting that Jar Jar's on the cover, considering yes, has quite a negative... I don't know. Like I know Rep. a lot of people love him, and it's it's almost become like a point of um, like people being quite defensive about him now because yeah. people were so cruel to the actor when the prequels first came out and everything. But yeah. I just think it's an interesting choice to put him on the cover there. I think it's yeah. quite cool. No, it's true. Like it's almost like they're saying, "No, we are fully embracing this character. This is an important character. He's like the defining creature of the Phantom Menace." So yes, we are going to remind you that he's important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can respect that. So clearly owning it. Um, the Star Wars cookbook BB-8 <laughs> spelled A-T-E. Now this is cynical. Um, Awaken to the force of breakfast in brunch. Oh no. I, I do love brunch. <laughs> brunch is such an American thing. Like I know we have it in the UK now, but I'm pretty sure that's because it came over from America. I think it is. <laughs> like, okay, I'm reading this description and laughing. Mas canata frittatas. <laughs> this is so silly. <laughs> but oh, no. yeah, like I'm going on a trip um, to watch the Last Shadow with a group of friends, like in a different city, and we're going to be like having an Airbnb. I could take this and make Star Wars themed recipes for people. You totally should. You should cook everyone Mars Kanata frittatas. <laughs> You'd be like the most legendary Star Wars fan to ever exist. It would get really get us into the theme of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then we have cover not final Star Wars: The Last Jedi DK Level Two. Heroes of the Galaxy fight the First Order. Packed with facts you need to read. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so mean. These books are aimed at tiny children. 
This 48-page reader aimed at helping younger readers develop their reading skills focuses on introducing them to the characters, vehicles, and locations from the highly anticipated new film, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And the main takeaway here is there's a really cool new image of Finn, Ray, and Rose on the cover. Yeah, I love this image. It's great. And it's, it's so cool to see them all together. It's obviously like a composite image, but it's still really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the more I see of Rose, the more I appreciate how great her hairstyle is. I think that's going to become just as iconic as the free buns. Yeah, I think so. It's really cute. Yeah. And then model book. Then sticker book. Oh, God. <laughs> sticker book. <laughs> Sorry. I Force Awakens one of these, actually. I was in really? an app and needed to use up some money. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll have a thousand Star Wars stickers. Why not? So. Yeah, why the hell not indeed? Um, yeah, my main takeaway here is that there's a picture of um, <laughs> Kylo with the mask on, on the cover, and he looks like a massive dope. It's, it's such a really silly dopey. picture. <laughs> like, we had descriptions of what he looked like before we saw images for quite a, a while, and Jason Ward at Making Star Wars was saying, he looks very strange with just the helmet now that he's lost the cowl and he has the cloak. And it's so true. Like, it looks silly. It doesn't look scary. He looks silly. <laughs> He does look like a child playing dress-up, basically. It's like okay. he plonked a helmet on without any care for how it actually looked. That's basically how the character is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's quite emblematic. And also the Porg on the cover of this sticker book is adorable. Yes. And Finn and Rose are together as one sticker. And I'm not supposed to ship this? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what their game plan is there. It's so transparent. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah and everyone looks really cool there's a lovely image of ray as well mm-hmm. and there's another cool look at the new stormtrooper with the weapon mm-hmm. the panda stormtroopers as i like to call them <laughs> i was writing fanfic before and i called them the <laughs> panda drones <laughs> oh my god i guess it was the space bear thing was the working title of the movie right yeah or like, code name, whatever. Let's hope that the panda theme runs beyond the aesthetic choices for the Stormtrooper armor. <laughs> Who knows if it'll end up being anything. Maybe yeah. They'll never tell us. I reckon in like 2050 we'll actually get the true story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there is something that I am certainly going to add to my collection. Star Wars The Last Jedi soundbook. I'd like it if there was a um, button you could press like to hear Kylo cry in, in his room. <laughs> that's really mean. <laughs> Sorry, that's the cruelest thing. Hey, I've actually noticed, you see the panels where you can presumably press them to get the sounds? Yeah, they have There's the one of the horse. Yeah, I just noticed that. The Falvia, or whatever you call it. Yeah, and there's someone clinging to its back as well. I don't know if that's actually representative of a moment from the film, but it's very cool. Mm-hmm. La, 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 la. Activity book with Phasma and some dudes on it. Cool. Ah, okay. Then Junior Novelization, which is going to be written by Michael Coggy. <laughs> I'm sure I'm horribly saying that. I'm sorry. I would just guess it's Michael Cog, but who knows? <laughs> it sounds a bit less Someone out there knows, but not us. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> <laughs> who can say? Yeah, exactly. But basically, I'm really happy about this because this guy, he also did the Junior Novelization for The Force Awakens, and he did a brilliant job of that. It's leagues better than the adult novelization for The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So I'm super stoked that he's writing this one too. Same. So yeah, this will be a must-buy. 
And then finally, we have the novelization of The Last Jedi, which is perhaps the most important book, um, because of course it is. Um, and that's going to be written by Jason Fry. I haven't read anything that he's done, but as far as I'm aware, he's mainly done like reference books and stuff. Is that right, Kirsty? Yeah, I read um, Ray's Survival Guide, which I think he wrote, and that was really oh, cool. Oh, I did read bits of that. Yeah, okay, so I've kind of read something he wrote. <laughs> yeah, and he, he wrote others on this list as well um for mm. the cobalt squadron book that we were just talking about i think he wrote that um so yeah people seem really excited about this choice and um, we have not made any secret of the fact that we thought alan dean foster's <laughs> normalization was not the best the yes. the purple prose um but it's still really great to read those novels because inevitably there's stuff that ends up being cut from the movie mm. so i'm really excited for this one yeah, he touched her anew. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> literal words in the novelization. It's quite something. Yeah, very cheesy. Yeah. Um. Right, and I think that finally brings us to the end. And there's only section one of many. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. So we probably should have whizzed through some of them more. Jesus. Right. Then the next story is about the porgs. Who the adorable little avian inhabitants of Act Two? Um, I've been doing lots of talking, Kirsty. So, would you maybe like to read out the like interview at the link? Sure. So, this is from StarWars.com. Introducing Porgs, the cute new creatures from Star Wars: The Last Jedi. We know only one truth. <laughs> we love Porgs. Get to know these little beings with insights from the Lucasfilm Story Group's Pablo Hidalgo. It blinked its eyes, turned its head towards us, and it was love at first sight. <laughs> Talking, of course, about that short, slightly chubby, and insanely cute creature from Star Wars The Last Jedi behind the scenes reel shown at D23. It was only on screen for about a second, a puppet on a workbench, that immediately inspired lots of online chatter from fans. What is it? Where does it come from? Can I keep it? StarWars.com is excited to reveal that that little critter is called a porg. And to get just a little more information, we talked to the Lucasfilm Story Group's Pablo Hidalgo. StarWars.com So, Pablo, right now all we know is that these little guys are called Porgs. What else can you tell us about them that won't make Ryan Johnson ask for StarWars.com to be shut down and erased from the internet? <laughs> Pablo Porgs are native to Arctu and can be found dwelling along the cliffs of the island where Luke and Rey are. In many ways, they're the Star Wars version of Puffins. They build nests, they can fly. Their babies are called Porglets. <laughs> Oh my god, so cute. Sickening. Sickening. <laughs> Based on their demeanour, would I be wrong in assuming they're friendly? Pablo. Given how rarely their island has visitors, their curiosity outweighs any skittishness they may have. Do you know where the name comes from? Pablo. You'd have to ask Ryan. He came up with that name and the idea of the Porgs fully hatched, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> this is the most corny Q&A ever. It is. It's cute though. Yeah. In the D23 behind-the-scenes reel, we see that Porgs, or at least a Porg, were made through practical effects. Pablo. The Porgs are realised through a variety of effects, depending on what's needed. Sometimes they're puppets, but the puppeteers digitally removed from the shot. Other times, they're entirely CG. I saw fan art of Porgs on Twitter on the same day they were revealed. Fans just seem to instantly connect with them. Why do you think that is? Pablo. Ever since that roadside scavenger let out that belch outside Jabba's place in Return of the Jedi... Oh, Jabba's Palace, I should say. God. <laughs> um, the idea that there's an entire animal kingdom living amid the drama and adventure of the Star Wars saga is a compelling one. 
Besides, porgs are cute. You fall into those deep, soulful eyes. I think a lot of people are going to want a porg as a pet. How cute. Perfect marketing foil. Yeah. I think the the name Porgs has been around for a while if you're keeping up with spoilers because Jason from Making Star Wars had information on them from quite yeah. early on. Although originally I think he was talking about them being potentially the Converies that we see in Rebels. Yeah. Um, but no, they're more like little puffins. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cute that they've done this little <laughs> just silly tongue-in-cheek interview, I guess. Yeah, no, they are so cute. I, I really like Pablo's response to the question about practical effects because you can tell he's kind of like done with that whole practical effects line as well. He's like, mm. well, yes, partially, but there's also lots of CGI guys. Yeah, I mean, and wasn't that the case with BB-8 as well? Yeah, like you, totally. You could see behind the scenes, they had the guy running in like the green suit behind him. So they had several different versions of him, but you can't just have a puppet all the time necessarily. And I, I'm guessing it would be the same way with Snoke. Like you have to use a variety of different things to get the best results. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with CGI. Exactly, and I think that's what Pablo is trying to teach us. Yeah, yeah. No, they are so so cute. Although when I look at that still image of a pork with its eye cl- with its eyes closed, it's a bit disquieting because I can only guess they still need to like add flock into the eyelids mm-hmm. because right now they're like these disquieting like metal eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen some people say that they find them a bit creepy. Yeah, I can understand that. In terms of the fan art they saw, I wonder if they saw like the fan art of like Kylo being redeemed via Porgs. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't think was, so. Yeah, there was a lot of them with Luke and then like Ray making friends with them. So it's just, yeah, everyone is attached to the Porgs already. Uh, everyone's got a piece of Porg. <laughs> Um, right. The next story is that Kylo Ren's TIE silencer has been revealed. And this was revealed on the Star Wars show, which is the, like, official mouthpiece of Star Wars on YouTube. It's very good, actually. I don't mean to be mean. (laughs) It is a good show. It's very, um, has high production value. Um, but yeah, the most interesting thing perhaps is that there's also a data bank entry on the TIE silencer, which is beautiful and sleek and sexy looking. Um, and the description says, Reminiscent in design of the Empire's TIE Interceptor and Darth Vader's TIE Advanced, Kylo Ren's TIE silencer is an angular fighter equipped with laser cannons and missile launchers. Ren is an expert pilot. Thanks to skills passed down from his father, which he puts to use in exploiting his ship's speed and ferocity. There is no other First Order craft like the TIE Silencer, and it is an effective tool in Ren's mission to destroy the Resistance. So yeah, I know this made your heart sing when you saw the bit about him getting the skills from his dad. Oh yeah, that is what I live for. (laughs) Um, Anything that parallels Kylo to his parents or grandparents... I'm here for like yeah it's right in the feels um and it's the end of a big debate in fandom over whether he would be a good pilot or not because people obviously on one side were saying hey he's a skywalker and a solo of course he's going to be a good pilot but then other people were thinking maybe they're going to go in an unexpected way to throw us off and he'll actually be a terrible pilot (laughs) i'm kind of a bit disappointed that they didn't do the latter (laughs) So it might I mean, explain Kylo's like deep frustration and inadequacy. 
he's already messed up in so many other ways let's give him this <laughs> that's true he can't, he's not a very good bad guy so he has to be good at something it. yeah yeah <laughs> he failed at being evil so yeah he's got to succeed somewhere <laughs> poor chap um but yeah did you like the ship oh yeah i think it looks great again i'm not an expert but um yeah that's cool i think it's gonna sell lots of toys yes and obviously that's their primary goal <laughs> it's hard yeah. to say until we see it in action right so exactly i'm really excited to see kylo fly because mm. we have yet to see him pilot anything and I just want those shots of him in the cockpit, like, and being reminiscent of Han, but also like Anakin. Because there's yeah. those sequences right at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith where we see lots of, like, Anakin showing off his flying skills. And, yeah, I want more of that, please. Yeah, I think I think they could easily go for some parallels there that would be pretty emotional. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And I'm guessing that um, he, is, he has his own little, like, BB-8 droid. And... I'd assume that he the droid helps him out in the silencer. Um, but that's like conjecture. They haven't confirmed that or anything. Yeah, we're seeing that through the Lego sets, right? Yes. So it's BB9E. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice black colour scheme, because of course he has. <laughs> Kylo isn't going like, to go off trend and have like a neon pink <laughs> like BB unit. <laughs> much as i'd love it right and then the next segment is one we've been promising that we're going to get to for what feels like weeks and weeks but for various reasons we've been thwarted but now we can actually finally talk about forces of destiny and i actually want to hand over the floor to you kirsty because you're very much the brainchild behind the spotlight because you wrote the notes and stuff so yeah do you want to give like a little overview of forces of destiny and your feelings on it yeah, so I'm guessing most people listening have watched all the shorts now. Um, and hopefully people enjoyed them. I mean, we did, right? Yeah, totally. I really enjoyed them. More than I thought, actually. Yeah, they were just really adorable. I mean, obviously, they're very short. They're only between two and three minutes long. And they just give you these kind of, like, very short snippets into these characters' lives. And obviously, people like Ray, we've seen content about her relatively recently. Like, she's a new character. But I think some people were really excited to see people like Ahsoka again. Like, I, I was super excited to see Padme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just a nice way to spotlight these female characters. Some who you feel like sometimes are a little overlooked. Like, that's kind of how I feel about Padme sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they tie in really nicely with all of the merch that we're starting to see come out now. I haven't actually seen any of the dolls in person yet, aside from the few that I saw in the case at Celebration. Yeah. But I've seen that they also have a lot of other things like T-shirts at Target and stuff like that, and they're very, like, girl power. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. Um, I think these shorts are a really great way to get very young fans into Star Wars. Like, fans, I'm calling them fans, but they might be kids who have never seen Star Wars before and are completely unfamiliar with these characters. So I saw a lot of tweets from people who were like introducing their toddlers to Star Wars for the first time. And if you're a big Star Wars fan, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. So it just kind of warms your heart. Yeah, no, totally. Like I'm, I think this is going to be like a great means to like finally like break out of that like boys section in the toy shop ghetto. Because like, I know there's been like progress and they are trying to like mix things and keep things less binary. But 
if you go into any toy shop, there is still a very clear divide between, like, the girl sections, where it's all, like, pink and baby dolls and, like, My Little Pony and stuff, and then the boys' sections, where it's all, like, Thunderbirds and Star Wars and Marvel and things. Like, it's very clearly delineated. And so mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, this Forces of Destiny stuff be a way of, like, smuggling stars in. So... <laughs> like that is finally like part of the girls section as well i don't really think there should be girls and boys sections to begin with but because that's clearly not going to go away i think doing something like this where it is overtly about celebrating these female characters and about appealing to little girls i think that's a really cool move and a good way to branch out to like new audiences it's like not just little girls just younger audiences in general who, like you said, Kirsty, might have never seen anything Star Wars related before. Yeah, and because it's for a very young audience, they almost have this kind of like Aesop's Fables quality to them, where there's like a very clear moral to the story. Yes. So if we're starting with like the Rey stories, The Sounds of Jakku, obviously it's about showing compassion to someone who initially seems like a threat. Yeah. Um, the understanding that everyone has their own struggles and if you just like take a more empathetic approach you can understand someone and connect with them and show them kindness that pays off yeah um that's the way to live life so it was just really lovely to see that yeah and we already know that ray is a very compassionate forgiving character like that's just what you get from the force awakens so even though this doesn't tell us anything drastically new about the character it's just kind of nice to get that extra content um that expands on her like just to see that in more examples and to kind of understand why she becomes so attached to BB-8 because they have these shared experiences. Um, So it kind of enriches that part in The Force Awakens when you see her refuse to sell BB-8. If you first see it in the film and you don't really get the context, it might seem like kind of strange because she's starving and she refuses to sell this droid. But if you take these and you understand a bit more about how kind and um, friendly Rey is, it makes sense. Yeah, and there's a really good observation is about like adding to the story like not in a way that is something that needed to be in the film like because obviously you don't need these interludes to follow the story in The Force Awakens but it does enrich the story of The Force Awakens and it adds this depth to the characters' relationships and interactions that you don't get otherwise and so that's a really cool thing so I think it's the best of all worlds because it's not like it's compulsory viewing but if you do might take the time to watch it for a few minutes i do genuinely believe it like enriches the experience yeah because it even gives you these little gems like it looks like ray uses the force without realizing it right when yes. she's trying to sense the creature under the sand and stuff like that um and you figure like she must have used it before without realizing because that's kind of how the force works but it's just cool to get that extra background on her because she's such a mystery when we first meet her um yeah. And this is a really great way to have more stories about Rey because the beginning of a hero or heroine's journey, obviously the the idea is that they haven't had adventures yet. They've been in this moment of stasis, just like Luke is on Tatooine. But you can have these small stories that still tell you something about them. Totally. And I just love, I mean, when she's talking to BB-8 at the end and she considers herself lucky, that's pretty heartbreaking. That is. Because she's led such a horrible life. Yeah, but she she manages to find, I don't know, beauty and optimism and things like that. Like that's remarkable. So yeah, is, and it's it's lovely to hear her theme again. Yes, 
no definitely and i also just want to say that i think daisy did a great job of the voices yeah, yeah. it's really cool that they got so many of the original actors back yeah. um and then like cat Tabor, who did padme for the clone wars um yeah it's awesome yeah it was really cool lovely little story i think um like that story the first one with ray so sons of jakku I think that might be my favourite, or at least is tied with um, The Imposter Inside as my favourite, because I just really liked how it did subvert the like typical idea of, oh, this scary, fearsome thing that's chasing us and wants to eat us is awful, let's defeat it. Like, like you said, it was about showing compassion and understanding and resolving the problem in that way, because that even felt like a very unique message among all of these stories. Because in all the other stories, there is some kind of like overt villain that has to be defeated, like in a more traditional way, I guess. So mm-hmm. either by like trapping it or bonking it over the head or like stunning it or something like that. Um, it's not like you see Leia with the Wampa and she's like, "Well, I think we should just just be pals." <laughs> <laughs> like it was quite a uniquely Ray resolution, and that made it stand out to me. Because it's like, yes, this is very informative about the character and her perspective on things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a common theme in Star Wars, right? And just like fairy tales in general, to tame the monster and realize that they are a sentient being worthy of compassion too. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, all of the stories, we'll get to more of them in a second, but they just kind of exemplify the key values of bravery and friendship and compassion it's just lovely yeah it was really cool right and yeah then the next one was bb8 bandits which was a bit of a sequel um to yeah the previous just, episode yeah it was like a direct continuation of it right so that was pretty cool because that was unique in the forces of destiny series so far as well isn't it yes so it was nice to get those two in a row like i think someone People were saying that the, they were supposedly not releasing them in order, but surely they did with these two because it's so one and two parter. Yeah. yeah I think it would be really weird if they'd released um, Sands of Jakku as episode number one and then BB 8 Bandits as episode number six. It just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And I really like how it fits into the chronology of The Force Awakens as well. So obviously, this short is about the morning after, like Ray says, you can stay, but tomorrow you go. And this is them waking up in the morning and being like, right, we're going to sort things out for you and get you to where you need to go. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool to have that enrich the film. Yeah, and no, it totally is filling in those gaps. Yeah. And it's it's also just really lovely to see her on a speeder again because some people kind of feel like it was underutilized in the film. Because we mm-hmm. saw it in um, the teaser and the trailer, right? But Oh, actually, I can't remember if it's in the main trailer, but it's definitely in the teaser. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, so I love that speeder. It's really cool. Like, it's so junky, and you genuinely believe it's made out of salvage. Yeah. Um, so it's a really nice little bit, of, little piece of design. So yeah, I, but it was nice to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I did like the episode, but it didn't stand out to me, and I didn't feel like it was quite up to the level of the previous one. But it was still pleasant and enjoyable. All of them are pleasant and enjoyable, but I definitely preferred Sands of Jakku. I thought it was interesting that it showed like if you you know ex- express kindness to someone that will pay dividends in terms of like them helping you out. Yeah. I think that was the primary moral message from the episode. 
yeah, it was like what goes around comes around. So yeah, she shows him kindness and the next episode, like he helps her out of this sticky situation. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Exactly. It pays off to be kind to monsters. <laughs> um, and then there was Ewok Escape. What did you think about this one, Kirsty? I thought this was really cute. It's just really cool to see Leia and Wicket again. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the voice actress, which I mm. I don't want to like upset anyone because I know some people thought she was great, and I'm happy for those people. Um, maybe it's just because I'm really attached to Carrie in the role. Yeah, just didn't quite work for me. But it didn't like impact my enjoyment of the the short, and I really liked the other layer one as well, or the other two actually. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just me being picky, I guess. Yeah, like it was fine. It clearly wasn't Carrie, which automatically like breaks immersion for me a bit. But I think she did an okay job. I can't imagine anyone else doing much better. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just me being kind of a an annoying fan <laughs> no no it's fine like that's what we're here for we're here to express our opinions we can be as nitpicky as we like <laughs> yeah but i thought it was really cute yeah um, and we finally have an answer for how she gets that dress yeah we do that was the most important scene in this episode because i found overall this episode to be one of the weaker ones um it was still fun and cute and lovely as, as like as we've been saying but um, it was so slight to me. Um, but I love that scene where we finally see that wardrobe change. So I'm not kidding. That is something I've had in my mind. It's like an unanswered question since childhood. So I mean, it's like, oh my god! It still doesn't really make sense. I mean, no, but <laughs> it's like that previous owner of that dress was eaten by the Ewoks. <laughs> How would they whip that up so quickly? That is actually a really good question. I didn't think about that. Why they would just have like a perfectly human-sized female dress around. Yeah. See, it still just raises more questions. Oh god, you're right. We'll never see. get to the bottom of it. I, I don't think the um, Forces of Destiny shorts are going to go into Ewok cannibalism, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I like that um, it was kind of emphasising how the Stormtroopers like thought of the Ewoks as primitives and how they were underestimating them. Yeah. Yeah, like Return of the Jedi obviously has those themes. Like, yeah, it's this it, for me anyway. I don't know if this is intentional, probably, but it has that kind of environmentalist stance, right? When they're in Endor. Yeah, um, I definitely think that's part of it. I think I also read that it was some kind of like allusion to like Vietnam and like guerrilla warfare and that kind of thing. But mm. don't quote me on that. Yeah, it's just yeah, like. The Ewoks, they're really cute, but they're also a race of people, basically, right? They're not exactly. just like, they're not just animals. And they they're... have like a culture and exactly. like a society and everything. So yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Right. And then the next one is the Padawan Path. And I definitely think this is one of the favourites because it's like perfect fan wish fulfillment. <laughs> oh, it is. Like seeing Ahsoka, Anakin and Yoda all together again, like some people, or lots of people, have such an attachment to the Clone Wars that I think this made people very happy. Mm. Yeah, like, I'm obviously not really a Clone Wars person, so I didn't have that attachment, but I did still really like the episode. And I found it one of the stronger ones. Mm. Um, <laughs> I really liked the, like, how it cut between Ahsoka like, getting up to this like, escapade where she decides she has to help these people because no one else will. And then, like, Anakin and Yoda waiting for her, and it's just 
It's like a nice like comic setup, you know. It worked well. Yeah. Anakin was getting really anxious. <laughs> She'll be here, and Yoda was just like, "Yeah, whatever, chill." Trust in the Force, you will. <laughs> Not quite, but oh god. Okay, we need to talk about pretty Anakin because I love pretty Anakin, and I think it's hilarious <laughs> the response that it got. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I loved pretty Anakin. Like that was my defining thing, really, from this episode like just the twitter response to it because there's so much sulking because basically in this episode we obviously get anakin skywalker and he is depicted in quite a different way from how we used to seeing him and it's in like this very like appealingly beautiful way he's like these lovely luscious lips and this lovely flowing hair and these like pretty eyes (laughs) and there were so many butthurt fans it's funny i didn't get it at first because i was like isn't he beautiful like wasn't that part of the point of anakin to emphasize that contrast between him and when he becomes vader Mm. i mean he has that kind of hair in revenge of the sith and aiden christensen has full lips i mean (laughs) i just thought it was funny that yeah it was coming from a lot of male fans like why does he look so weird why does he look like he's wearing lipstick yeah i guess it was a contrast from the animation style of the clone wars but i really don't like that style of animation for Anakin I don't think he looks like Aiden Christensen at all yeah so yeah no it's very evocative of the whole backlash just to Kylo generally oh yeah like that whole like fear and suspicion of a male character being presented in a way that's perceived to be feminized Mm. because you get so many like emo Kylo Ren stuff like in about the photos we're going to discuss later on like I heard someone like describe it as um like oh it's some um, baby face and dementia patient what <laughs> about, about Kylo Ren and Snoke oh <laughs> I was so confused there for a second oh bless you sorry I, I should have provided more context about. to begin with yeah <laughs> but um yeah basically the point is that people really struggle with like male characters being presented as like anything less than these like muscular ultra masculine badasses and yeah it's just funny people can't deal with it yeah it's kind of ridiculous and people need to get over it but i don't know the star wars fandom is big and people are inevitably coming to it from very different backgrounds and perspectives so i mean speaking for myself like I I love that kind of thing. You know, I, I love their kind of dismantling these ideas of macho masculinity and stuff. And Yeah. And you can still have that with these characters because you do. Like, that's the whole point of the duality, right? Especially with, like, pe- characters like Kylo and Anakin. But you also get it with Han Solo. Yeah. It's interesting. It's nuanced. Um, and it's kind of more reflective of reality rather than just having this, like... I mean, Luke as well. Like, his journey was so revolutionary in terms of, like, 70s and 80s action movies because he threw away the saber and responded with kindness. In the original films, like, Luke's journey, like, is very much about him refusing to be violent and refusing to, like, take the affirmative physical action that would traditionally, like, define a masculine hero. Mm. And that's a very brave and 
like different choice and yeah people just seem to forget that when they're looking at Star Wars because they still expect all those like macho stereotypes even though that's never been what Star Wars is about yeah exactly but I mean it also feels kind of silly to focus on a male character when we're talking about forces of destiny <laughs> yes. so obviously the bulk of it is supposed to be about Ahsoka and she's trying to get to this um, important ceremony where it looks like Yoda's giving her her braid back mm. or is she is he giving her her braid for the first time? I'm not sure. Like I don't Does know. Does species even have hair? Well, no. So it's if you look at the braid that he gives her, it's it looks like it's made of beads, right. as opposed to like the way that Anakin or Obi Wan has a braid. Okay. Yeah. Um, is this a ritual that's new to canon? Because I don't remember seeing it anywhere. I don't know if it's been described in a book or something. I don't remember it. I I did find the tree quite striking in the background. That yeah. reminded me of like all this stuff about force trees and stuff. So I think it might be about inserting that idea into the canon further back. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely seemed like a new element. Mm-hmm. Right, then the next episode is Beasts of Echo Base. And this one is about Leia and R2 trying to find Chewie. And yeah, this was definitely one of my least favourites. <laughs> oh, I liked it. I thought it was... I thought it was pretty funny, actually, the whole Chewie thing. Mm. This is a side of Chewie that I don't remember seeing before. This whole, I mean, he's a big softie, but how the hell does he even get taken? <laughs> and then, like, the Wampa goes to sleep, and then he's just, like, trapped there, like, under his arm. It's just so funny. It's like, yeah. what's Chewie? Oh, and he's cuddling up to a Wampa. <laughs> like, you're interrupting a private moment, Leia. <laughs> Yeah, that's a ship that I'm not sure the world needs. <laughs> Chewie slash Wampa. <laughs> yeah, but I like seeing R2 as, like, as well. Like, it's just cool to see old faves. Yeah, sure. No, I totally get the appeal. It just didn't do much for me personally. Um, but yeah, like, no, it's cute. And again, like, there's a good message, like, about showing the problem-solving aspect of the characters because that's something you find in a lot of these shorts is about hmm so the heroine is faced with this dilemma and what tools and resources can she draw upon to resolve it and i guess that's why it's nice to see a diversity of characters in these situations it's not like you just get force users because obviously no what the hell am i saying Leia has the force (laughs) she does Um, but it'd be kind of cool actually to see her use the force in one of these wouldn't it it would, yeah. So I, I guess while Leia does have the Force, she doesn't really actively use it at all. Mm-hmm. So she draws upon different skills besides the Force when she's resolving problems. But you're right in that would be cool to see it manifest itself somehow. Mm. But I mean, yeah, it's highlighting her bravery, her creativity, that she's quite reckless and quick on her feet. So even though it's really short, you very quickly get another layer of understanding to the character. And it's quite remarkable for that to happen because... Leia's a character who we've known for decades. Yeah. But it's just cool to get like a another little element of her. Totally. Um, right, and then the next episode is The Imposter Inside. And this was definitely one of the best episodes as far as I was concerned. I was really excited to see Padme anyway, but I just thought the episode was excellent. Yeah. It was really cool. So even though it was so, so short, like all of them are short, it did feel like very well told and it felt like an interesting story which is very impressive because there's obviously a limit to how much story you can convey in such a short time frame mm. but I think they did an excellent job of it yeah and it was one of the two stories that showed two female characters teaming up which I really appreciated as well 
Yes. I need more of that in Star Wars, and I'm glad to see it happening. So. Yeah. It's really cool. And like, even though it turned out to be an imposter, it was really cool to see a handmaiden again. Yes. In that amazing like tie-dye outfit. And uh, in the moment where Ahsoka says to Padme that she reminds her a lot of Anakin. Obviously, it's kind of funny because at that moment, they're in their like secret relationship and everything. But um, yeah, it's just really nice to see those connections acknowledged. Yeah. No, so it reminds you of how all these characters are slightly intersect. Because as far as I'm aware, Padme and Ahsoka don't... Like, I'm, I know they interact in the Clone Wars, but it's not to a substantial degree. So it's nice to see them put together in this very tightly concentrated situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is kind of just cool to see again them playing with that weird thing about like the Jedi and politicians. They're not really supposed to be mixing, but obviously during the prequel time they really are. Yeah. And so it's kind of saying like, oh, this isn't really my area of expertise, but then ends up actually being really helpful to Padme. And then what did you make of the next one, The Stranger, which was the episode of Jin Erso? Um, I liked the overall message that you should stand up to bullies. Um, but it was not, I think this might have actually been my least favourite. Mm. I'm not sure why. I think it, maybe it was because by this point I'd seen quite a few of them and it was starting to feel a little repetitive, the theme of like standing up and then like rescuing a creature it's yes. cute but it's just like because we've been watching them every day um, if you think about it in isolation it's probably totally fine Yeah. But also at this point like the whole thing with Jin having red hair <laughs> okay this is probably me being super cynical but I did wonder if it was a way for them to kind of help us tell the difference between all of the white brunettes and Star Wars yeah <laughs> Jin does not have red hair it's like, don't worry, kiddies, this is a new person, I promise. <laughs> this is a completely new and original character. I mean, it, it did have its definitely cute elements. Like, I loved seeing a Tuka doll. Like, what am I saying? Tuka. Um, and then, like, the fact that Jin was, felt that she could share her real name with a little girl, because at this point, she's obviously, like, living, you know, quietly on the edges of society that she, she doesn't talk, draw, atta- draw attention to herself. But the fact that she shared her real name, like it shows that she displayed trust for someone in the quite unexpected way. So that was yeah. cool. No, like again, I agree with you broadly. Like it was a nice message, but it just felt a bit samey compared to some of the earlier ones we'd had. Yeah, I think it was just because of where it fell in the sequence. Because yeah. I know there are other people out there who I've seen saying that this was their favourite. So I kind of like that that's a thing in Force of Destiny, like everyone will have their favourite episode and it might strike a very personal chord for personal reasons. Yeah, sure. Which is the joy of storytelling. Everyone responds to it in such a unique fashion. Mm -hmm. The final one is A Bounty of Trouble, which saw Sabine and Leia come together to unite. And I really liked this episode and I found it interesting to see this period of Leia's life. Mm. where she's kind of like a double agent so she's helping the rebellion but she still has to pretend that she's loyal to the empire so i liked seeing her like switch her faces kind of from when she's talking to sabine to when she's talking to the stormtroopers same it was really interesting because i'm obviously like at the beginning of new hope you're seeing that's the point where everything turns for Leia, and like vader obviously realizes she's part of the rebellion 
but before that point, presumably she's like been in the Senate and she's a diplomat. Like you just wonder what that would be like. And like the stormtroopers are referring to her as princess and everything. It's so interesting. Yeah. No, it makes me excited even more for that Claudia Gray book by mm-hmm. about Leia, because I'm sure we'll see loads more of that in there. Yeah. And I just love the interactions between Leia and Sabine because they're very different characters, but they're working together in this, like important cause, but on very different factions of it. Yeah. Um, no, it's really exciting. Like, just generally, I really appreciate the emphasis on female cooperation because mm. that's something that's virtually non-existent in Star Wars otherwise. So it's good to see that as a concept being introduced through in this way. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, do you have any more like general thoughts about Forces of Destiny or things you'd like to bring up? Um, well, apparently we're going to get more episodes soon. Yes, I saw that. that because um, people might have noticed that on John Boyega's IMDb page, he's been listed as an actor in the Forces of Destiny series. Um, so obviously, I think it's October that there's going to be more of them. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so we're going to get an episode with him and I think I think it's going to be him with Ray and Han on the Falcon. Mm. So that's really I'm, interesting. I'm guessing they're going to keep Han silent or use someone else because I do not for a minute think they're going to get Harrison Ford back for Forces oh, of Destiny. Of <laughs> yeah, he, he will either be in the background or maybe they just have Chewie or he's not there at all, but it's just kind of assumed that he's on the Falcon with them because we know at that point that he is. Yeah. You can kind of infer his presence. Yeah. I think we're also going to get like a Hera episode as well. So I know that that character is really popular with Rebels fans. So that's exciting. Yeah. No, it's really cool. I'm excited to see what comes next from this series. Yeah. And it's definitely a really good thing. It was like a nice little um, appetizer while we were going through like a dry period in terms of not getting much content. So I very much appreciated it. Yeah, and I liked the introduction as well with Maz's voice. Um, yeah. Because it was emphasising that these stories are quite small, but they still fit into the broader picture of what Star Wars is about. Like it's yeah. under values and themes. Yeah. No, I, I really like the message in that. The, I guess my only issue is that I wasn't completely sold on Lupita's delivery of the line. It did feel like something she just did in like a lunch break, and I wasn't quite feeling it as Mars. Um <laughs> But it was fine, and I need to stop nitpicking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Maz anyway, just because she ended up playing such a small part in The Force Awakens. Yeah. It's not that I'm like, I don't like her. It's just, I don't know. It's like very archetypal, which is fine. It serves a purpose. And I guess that's what she's been chosen as like a narrator for this series for, because she has that like oracle kind of seer quality. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's pretty basic. <laughs> I guess it's the whole like maiden mother crone thing, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. maiden is Ray, Leia is mother, and crone is Mars. Right. Yeah, which is cool. I wish we'd got that scene in the Force Awakens where um, Mars hands Leia the lightsaber. I really wanted to see how that went down. Yeah. But maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we move into our spoiler section. shouldn't do it 
Um, and here we actually have quite a lot to discuss this time because there's been lots and lots of merchandise and even visual leaks, which is unusual because for TFA I don't really remember any substantial photographic leaks apart from one of Luke in his costume from the end, which is obviously mm. a big deal because that's the only time he appears in the whole film. <laughs> but um, still, that was the only one that I remember. Um, so yeah, it's been a big deal, as we might say in Star Wars. Um, but yeah, the first thing to talk about is that making Star Wars, they came out of a story on some poster designs that are being considered for the film. And all of the descriptions are very like wordy and dense. So we're not going to read them out individually. We're just going to have like a generalised discussion about the posters and what jumped out to us is particularly interesting. Um so yeah, was anything that really struck you about these compositions or like the kind of air of the film that they're trying to convey? Like, did anything strike you? Um, I guess, should we start with this first one? Yeah, good idea. So it describes like a ray in the middle taking up a lot of the space. So again, it's cementing her as the primary protagonist. Um, and then you get like a big image of Luke and it looks like, based on Jason's descriptions, some of these are images that we've now seen from the leaks that came out yesterday. Mm. So this one of Luke is like holding his zapper rod in his hand with his left shoulder, like turned towards the camera. Um, there's a composite of like Kylo with his back to us, the cape draped over his shoulder and he's he carries his helmet in his right hand. Like that's one of those images that we've seen now. It obviously has like a very brooding Hamlet vibe. Um, yeah, like I'm not a big fan of the Photoshop composite images anyway, honestly. Mm. I guess it'll be interesting to see which one they end up going with because like the one I just described, it's like kind of generic. It features basically every important character um, and then like the less important ones are smaller. Um, but then they also have these like dark side and light side ones and you have to wonder if they went with those they would need to release both of them, right, as a way to contrast and show the conflict of the story. Yeah. Anything leaping out for you? Um, yeah, like I'm like you. These, like, shove everyone into the compositions that we're showing all the actors who will sell the movie. Like, that is not my idea of great poster design. So it's kind of a bit like, uh over that being the choice for the main poster anyway. But it was inevitable, because this is just how posters are done now. Yeah, I think it's kind of a shame that that'll end up being the official poster because the teaser posters have been so great. Yes. The one we got at Celebration and then the ones they did for D23, they're all lovely and artistic and kind of show something about the characters and the story. Yeah, no, that is really true. Like, um, that teaser poster, I just... Anything that follows, I think, will inevitably pale. Because anything that follows is just going to be more like mainstream and commercial, just like of necessity. And yeah, it's not going to be as good. <laughs> yeah. There's one part like in one of the other descriptions. So the concept two skimmers on white with a side of Snoke. <laughs> yes. Described by making Star Wars as Kylo looks sad and worried. <laughs> and I thought that's pretty that's pretty in keeping with what we've seen from the existing promotion, right? Yeah, totally. They're um, being very um on the nose with Kylo's emotional state in all of the publicity images they've put out so far. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, it's interesting that that is how they would choose to present him in a theatrical poster, because that is striking to me that in all of these like poster concepts, Kylo's a must in every single one, because that clearly shows it's a crucial component of their marketing campaign, presenting this character as like a human and a conflicted human, because that marks a massive leap forward from The Force Awakens, because I know that many of us were expecting The Last Jedi trailer to double down on like evil dark side badass Kylo who's now gone fully dark side after killing his father because that would have been an easy way to go to play into people's expectations but they really do seem to be going the other way with this like humanized portrait of him yeah and they describe Luke as looking concerned which again I think is in keeping with what we've seen um he's definitely not like happy-go-lucky on arc two <laughs> no um this one describes the poster as having three or four porgs on it, which I would appreciate seeing, to be honest. Same. I'm hoping that the poster they go with includes Rose, because mm. it's it's going to be a sell to introduce her to the general audience. Like, I'm not sure how many people would have actually ended up watching the behind-the-scenes footage. Obviously, yeah. people who are really interested in upcoming movies will, but it's, it's not going to be shown in theatres. So yeah, they really need to make sure that she's positioned as a central figure because she is a lead. Yeah, exactly. They need to make that clear to people so they go in with the right expectations. Because I do still see people like fully expecting like Finn and Ray to spend most of the film together and be going on adventures and stuff. And you really need to like course correct that impression. I guess it depends on how invested the person is because if they're just a general audience member who aren't that first, they won't mind being surprised. Yeah. You know, so... It'll be like, oh, okay, this is a new character, that's fine. But it's just conventional marketing, you'd think, to introduce someone just like they will with Holdo and DJ and everyone. Yeah, precisely. Um, with the um like last two posters, they like you mentioned, Kirsty, they very much seem to be complimentary. So it's about like plonking like the good guys on one poster and then having the bad guys on the other poster. Um, and yeah, so in the light side, good guys poster, then Ray is the central figure. And then in the bad guys poster, um, Kylo is the central figure, um, which is very much as you'd expect because Ray is emblematic of the light side and Kylo is emblematic of the dark side. But what's perhaps most interesting is that Luke also features on the dark side poster. So God knows what that means. <laughs> it might yeah. just mean that the dark side poster is kind of about like encapsulating Kylo's experience and the characters who are formative to Kylo because Luke would certainly fit the bill with that but it does also raise the question of well are we going to see like a more dark side inflected Luke in this film because there's been heavy speculation about that and I definitely think it's possible that he's been toying with the dark side at the very least what do you think Kirsty? Oh god I don't know I'm really hesitant to buy into Dark Luke, to be honest. I know it's popular. Mm. Until I see it on screen, I can't really reconcile it with my understanding of the character. Yeah. I I completely get that they're going with him looking like tortured and filled with regret and pain for what's happened. Yes. That totally makes sense. But ugh, practicing the dark side, I just don't... I just... I, I can't imagine that being the way they go and if they do I'll be shocked and obviously that's their goal there mm. I guess I just keep on going back to Mark Hamill's own response to what Ryan Johnson had done with the story 
because mm-hmm. hearing about how shocked he was makes me wonder well, what did they do what is this shocking sure, thing that can refer to lots of different things it's not necessarily about luke becoming a villain or anything oh yeah yeah no sure like i, I don't mean that but i think it's one possible explanation for why he might have had that reaction oh yeah it's one possibility i just i see it like as a really popular headcanon and i'm i don't know i, I i'm just really skeptical of it for now but we'll see yeah totally like i just i don't know like i think that would be quite hard for fans to deal with that idea because the whole story in in luke's own trilogy is that he rejects the dark side yeah so it's true it would be like a paradigm shift in people's understanding of the character well it would just be so like i just can't even work work out how it would go because then like what does it mean him and snoke are in cahoots (laughs) that he wanted han solo to die that he wanted his (laughs) to fall like it's like what if kylo fell that means he fell from grace away from luke right Mm. Well, I definitely don't think they'd do, like, Luke is an out-and-out villain. I don't think for a moment that would be the way they'd go. But I kind of think of, like, those illusions that Snoke makes in the novelization, for example. Like, he considers Kylo to be, like, a perfect combination of light and dark. So that's interesting because while Kylo and Snoke, we clearly think of them as dark side users, they also clearly still place value in the light side. And the abilities and potentials that come from that. And I just kind of wonder if they're doing the inverse of that with Luke. So while he is still largely on the light side, he has also been like toying with some dark side elements because he is perceiving some kind of value or purpose in them that the light side can't offer. I don't think it would be like outright ha 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 I'm a Sith Lord or <laughs> something. That's ridiculous. Right. Like he I, I don't know, like, I can't picture him becoming, like, Ray's villain or anything. No. I don't think they'll go that far, but I just, I definitely think it's something they want to tease us with. And if they do literally yeah. release a photo, um, oh, sorry, if they literally release a poster with all villains on it, apart from Luke, Luke is the only character on there who is not clearly a villain, that is just going to be such a blatant, ooh, what's going on with Luke thing? I can just see the stories mm. now. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's because, like, Jason has assigned these posters as, oh, this is the light side and this is the dark side. But if that's not actually what they're going for, do you know what I mean? Like, it might just be more of a story element Mm. for how Luke fits into that thematically. It doesn't mean, like, these are the bad characters. Um, It's just, like, Luke, as you said at the beginning, he played an important part in Kylo's upbringing and fall. Yeah. No, you're right. It could be more like about the characters and the characters that are relevant to them. Mm. So yeah, mysteries. Yeah, I mean, we might not even end up ever seeing those posters. Exactly. See the light of day. <laughs> yeah, so they're all just concepts. So they might well be tossed out the window. Especially now, we seem to have actually seen some of the photos that are, were probably destined to end up in the posters. Yeah, this is the thing, right? With I have mixed feelings about leaks. Like, obviously, I'm very excited to see them. But if it ends up changing the direction they go in marketing and they kind of have a mad scramble to use different things and we don't see their original intention, it might not end up being as polished and good. Yeah. Which is a shame. I hope they just go on regardless. It's like the name Porgs was leaked, but they still stuck to it. So I think generally they just tried to grin and bear it and act like it didn't happen, which I yeah. think is probably the best thing they can do. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, a lot of these images probably won't reach the mass audience. No. 
you need to know what you're looking for, I think, and you need to be obsessively checking Stoll's leaks on Reddit. <laughs> Which, thankfully, I do. So, yeah, it's all good. Um, right, and then the next thing to talk about is that there have been a whole bunch of yet more LEGO leaks, because that's what we always need in our lives. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about every single one individually, because they're LEGO, and we have actually already had discussed most of these before. Um, so there's not like a whole lot new to say. What's different about these images is that they're more numerous and they're also of much better quality than we've seen before. Um, so yeah, we just get better looks at all the minifigures, we get better looks at all the play sets and the ships and everything. And I think everything looks really cool and cute. What did you make of it all, Kirsty? Oh yeah, I loved seeing these. Like I really liked seeing Finn's other expression because we'd said yes. before that you could see... In the initial leak, we got one face and he looked really scared. But in this one, we see him look really happy. He has a big grin. Yes. That's cool. Exactly. And there's a lovely charming shot of the Finn and, Ray, Finn and Rose figures riding like um, one, one in front of the other, which is very shippy, if I don't say so myself. I mean, literally. <laughs> yes, exactly. Shippy in all senses. <laughs> yeah. No, so they're really cute. I think the Finn and Rose... Like sets are probably my favourites from these to be honest they're, they're yes. just darn cute and you were trying to work out when they would be using the ship right yes I think we came to the conclusion or at least a, you know an informed guess that this would be their ship for escaping Dakar and then going off to Canto Bight yeah that was my guess mm. yeah it's an interesting ship design it's I don't know again I am not familiar but like it looks pretty new to me like it looks like a, something that we haven't seen before this style yeah no definitely it does look very like startling and refreshing which is really cool um yeah it's and very then, compact yes very much so it's like a convertible almost um then the next one is a first order heavy scout walker. What's interesting here is that Hux is fighting with his little blaster on crate. Yeah. Um, this is super interesting because it makes me wonder if he's actually going to play a bigger part than we'd thought if he's actually in there in the action. Yeah. No, exactly because I think many people like were predicting that Hux might get killed in like his first scene with Snoke as like punishment for Starkiller. Yeah, we'd had no information. So Everyone was thinking, well, if there's such a lack of spoilers, maybe he's not in it. But mm. it's just somehow this has flown under the radar until now. Exactly, yes. He's clearly in it till at least Act 3, because we know Cray is Act 3 stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's really interesting, because <laughs> in The Force Awakens, Hux does not come across as a man like to be seen on the field of battle, <laughs> actively participating. Um, and while you obviously can't, take these kinds of images as gospel because it's just a toy and it's just like an imaginary scenario to help children simulate their play I I doubt they'd have this kind of image on the cover if Hux weren't involved in the battle in some way so yeah I think it's safe to say he probably does fight which is intriguing mm -hmm. <laughs> Hux has a lovely cross face by the way Oh, yeah. I mean, that's his default expression, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's permanently pissed at everything. <laughs> um, then we have Kylo's tie silencer, which is very sexy, as we've previously discussed. It's very nice. 
Kylo himself is looking mighty fine. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Are you I, crushing on a Lego figure? I'm crushing on a tiny piece of plastic, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm excited to see BB9E. Yes. I hope they have some comical interactions. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd like to see them be buddies. Kylo needs a friend, desperately. So. <laughs> then there's Resistance Bomber. And Holdo, she really does have the greatest Lego minifig of all time. Oh yeah, I love her hair. Yeah, it's just fabulous. <laughs> she looks so good. And I hate to say it, but I think that ship it may well be where Paige meets her end. You know, in the behind the scenes, there's that shot that we determined was Paige falling into like the bomb room. Mm. Like you can see the bombs in that place there. And I think the like bottom half of it is like the bomb storage or something. Oh no. And it's like, oh no, I don't think it ends well. But, yeah, we kind of suspected that. And there's Ray and Poe teaming up on Crate. Doing a badass job. Oh, and Snoke. Yeah, it's our best look at Snoke until we got an actual image of what Snoke looks like, which is very exciting. And, yeah, seeing the Lego figure in large resolution is really quite something to behold. I guess the interesting image of, is we've got this quite clear one of him looking at the hologram. Yes. Here, and it's like, who is that figure? Yeah, exactly. So the mask does seem quite similar to Kylo. But obviously, as many people have pointed out, he doesn't have the hood anymore in The Last Jedi. Unless mm. he does, but we just haven't seen evidence for that yet. So it's either like meant to represent Kylo and they're just not being that fastidious about making sure it matches up with what he's wearing in The Last Jedi. Or it's some other person, which is obviously mm. the more intriguing possibility. Yeah. God, I don't know what to think about that. No, nor do I. So I remember ages ago making Star Wars, they came out and they said there was some kind of like mystery villain and that they were going to like tease this character in the Force Fridays marketing. Um, so like the conspiracy first to me wonders, oh, could this be the mystery villain? I guess that makes sense because it, this is a tease, right? Like you're not going to get a good look at him and determine who he is. Mm. But it definitely gets you asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would make sense. She's apparently important if Snoke is having a private conversation with him. Yeah, because I know in like very early days, people were speculating that DJ would then be that villain. Um, but we haven't heard about any other casting. So it's got to be someone who plays a minor part in terms of screen time. Mm. But it's obviously going to have a big impact on the narrative because if a new villain enters, that probably has implications for Kylo's arc. Yeah. No, totally. So why your villain scene is getting a tad crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then that's pretty much it. There's also some pictures of those like Lego buildable figures, but they don't really tell us anything. I guess the only thing of note that I'd perhaps raise is that the Praetorian Guard figures, they seem to have these ridiculous miniature lightsabers attached to their weapons. God. <laughs> Which... Ah, it's like, I don't understand. They look like glow sticks. <laughs> they definitely don't look like offensive weapons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does that mean that they're force-sensitive at all? My... Maybe? But my f- instinct is telling me it's perhaps more just like 
that weapon that the Stormtrooper has in The Force Awakens on Takadana. See, as a weapon that can resist the lightsaber Finn is using. So there are clearly weapons that are designed to fight back against lightsabers, even if the user isn't themselves force sensitive. Mm, so, I guess that makes sense based on what we saw behind the scenes footage, right? Where you saw um, Daisy and Adam training with what looked like a few different figures holding their staff. Yeah. So if it's that kind of thing, they're obviously going to need to be used against lightsabers. Yeah. If they exactly. can't be cut, or cut through with a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. It's not very effective of voice. Um, have you got any other thoughts on the Lego stuff? No, I guess that just, coming back to that Praetorian Guard thing, it just mm. kind of cements that theory more in my mind as a strong possibility that they are shown both fighting against Praetorian Guards with those weapons. Yeah, which is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, could be wrong, but it's all pointing that way for me right now, so until we get something else that contradicts it. That's kind of my head canon. Yeah, exactly. And it's fun to dream and to imagine. Um, right. And then we get to the real meat of this discussion, what people probably really wanted to talk about, <laughs> um, which is the amazing images that leaked from The Last Jedi. And these are all clearly like promotional photos. So probably destined for like use on merchandise, like in the posters, in the visual dictionary, like they're just the kind of shots that go in those things and they're so so cool and they really increase my hype obviously we weren't meant to see them but pandora's box has been opened and there's no way they can be put back in mm-hmm. so yeah what did you think about these images Kirsty? oh i thought they were all great mm. like obviously they're not finished yes um, so you have things like a fan awkwardly in the background you see the floor with like marks for the actors to stand on and stuff but yes it's just really cool to see them in their costumes like these are really detailed looks yeah um new poses like ray looks super confident and badass yeah it's really cool would you maybe like to talk about the characters one by one so sure. not necessarily talk about each individual image but the characters yeah sure. so let's start with ray like you say her poses they just convey like this great sense of power Mm-hmm. Like, which is really nice to see in confidence, like which I think I've we've seen generally from the marketing for her. Like she almost comes across like a bit cocky to me sometimes. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's interesting to think about how we're only obviously seeing a snippet of what the the images they would have taken would be. So I wonder if they would have shown a variety of emotions because she's obviously going to go on an emotional journey. Yeah. Um, so like she's going to probably maybe she starts in a very confident place or maybe she ends in a confident place, but. She can't be like that the whole movie. She has to have some kind of challenge. Yeah. But they might not reveal that in marketing. So who knows? Exactly. But I know what you mean. It's like, yeah, she just looks very confident. I'm like, what's making you feel that way? Because we've had hints from Daisy in interviews that things aren't going to go so easily with Luke. Yeah. Like, so I think that first really struck me when we saw those Battlefront images of Kylo and Rey. And it was the contrast between them because Rey looked so like intense and focused and kind of the opposite he looked nervous and he looked like he was watching his back like he was like feeling like this deep regret and stuff and yeah like it definitely seems to be a theme they're getting across in these images like, yeah so there's probably other images where she conveys different emotions or states of mind but it is striking it's very interesting because he he doesn't look like he's her villain like no. he doesn't look like he's posing a threat to her no, not at all. Because like you say, she looks very confident and collected 
and like she knows what she's doing and he just looks filled with doubt and like wide eyes and like like a bit of a pout and he looks like almost he's like he's crying in some of them and he's got these quite um submissive stances like crouched um looking over his shoulder like some of them are pretty funny actually if you look at them in isolation <laughs> like it's like <laughs> so one of him lunging to the side there it's just yeah. like what are you doing kylo like it's almost like adam is so tall they didn't know what to do with all of him so they kept on like, asking him to crouch and bend over so that he'd fit in the frame like even the one of him holding the saber it's more of like a defensive stance yeah no definitely and again it's that whole like courtly knight image that they're going for with it yeah um, like the crouch and everything it just doesn't look it just doesn't look scary he no. looks sad and pathetic exactly like and in one of them he is literally if he's not crying he's literally about to cry and he has like a wobbling bottom lip mm. like i'm not kidding and it's just the most like pathetic expression that you could imagine like in the most like emotionally conflicted way and i'm just amazed that they're stressing it to the degree that they are because i i for one was expecting like dockside badass kylo in the marketing i was not expecting this that's what i was thinking at first like before we even got like the teaser at celebration i was like no way are they going to show him about the helmet off he's going to seem super scary and everything they're going to throw us off but i realized that our perception of kylo is not a mass perception yeah people people think that he got more evil after killing han so yeah. I think that they are having to kind of course correct here and like really beat people over the head with it. And yes. honestly, like I'm still seeing some people not quite get it. And they're focusing on like the fact that he's carrying his mask and oh, we saw him in the mask for one shot during the behind the scenes footage. It's like, are you going to ignore everything else that they're showing us? Like they're really trying to drive this point home. Yeah. But, you know, it again comes back to what we've talked about before, the fact that Ray defeated him already. Like, that's important for a hero and villain relationship because then the tension in that aspect is gone. She already defeated him. She overcame him physically. So yeah. what's what's left now? Exactly. But yeah, no, they're all, they're all lovely, beautiful images. And I really hope we get, like, HD, like, maximum resolution versions of them at some point. <laughs> like, especially with the lightsaber added in. Because it's funny, because they're raw images. A lot of the time, Adam, he's only holding the hilt of the lightsaber. Because mm. the intent was clearly to add the blade on later. Um, and yeah, it often makes it look a bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they weren't meant to be released. Um, yeah, then we have Luke. And Luke images are very interesting. Um, my favourite is the one of him with the hood up and the arms spread out, like, come to Papa. <laughs> Oh, you think that's what that says? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. I, I don't actually think that's what it says. My baby girl! <laughs> it really does look like kind of that trash bag thing that Jason was talking about in early costume description. <laughs> yes. It makes sense to be dressed like that in Octo. Yeah, it's a Very really awkward. cool costume seeing it like that. Like just the details and layers of it, it looks so cool. Yeah. That is kind of like a very dominant stance isn't it it is come at me bro <laughs> yeah like and he looks so forbidding 
like again like I, I'm going to stop being like the Dark Luke proponent but that is not like a benign or friendly pose I think they're building up the mystery like you know the hood is kind of concealing his eyes and stuff like that yeah exactly I'd say that's more of like a typical like villain pose really than a like good guy pose like because Kylo has more of like the good guy poses or at least like the victimized the submissive poses um like of again like on the teaser poster we've said before Luke is the one who looks scary Luke is the one who looks fearsome and Kylo looks doubtful and nervous like and again that's like the vibe I'm getting from these is like a contrast between them and I wouldn't say fearsome for Luke. I just think concerned. Like, he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm. Yeah, his expression that he's posted does suggest wrath to me. But it is so subjective, what we get from these images and stuff. So I think your reading's equally valid. Mm. Um, The image of Luke with the (laughs) foot on the box... That is very clearly the exact image that Making Stars copied when they were describing Luke's staff mm. um, because it's exactly the same right down to the pose. Yeah, it's pretty clear that these are the images that they got and the timing of their articles being published. Like, yeah. The... I, I think they knew that these were going to go wide. They knew oh, that definitely. people were going to see them, so they had to hurry and get their stories out, which yeah. is fine and it's a sensible way to act if you know that's going to happen. But it's just interesting see yeah. the inner workings mm-hmm. and again I think it's notable that if you look at the costumes there is a great deal of overlap with the costumes of um, Luke, Ray, and Kylo like, especially in terms of the cloaks of um, Luke and Kylo so they both seem to have that like patchwork, leathery quality to them mm. and yeah it's about drawing parallels I guess between the three of them oh yeah for sure Like, they're going to be in the same environment together for at least part of the film. Um, And then thematically as well, like these various shades of grey and dark brown and stuff. Yeah. That's all very cool. I love the costume design I'm seeing so far. It looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have one shot of Finn. And that's a total hand solo pose. It is. I love it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a great hero pose. Yeah, I mean, again, there's not much to say about his costume because we've seen it quite a few times now and it's like he's wearing the jacket again and everything. Um, but yeah, like, I just like seeing him and like, given these parallels to characters like Han because, I don't know, I don't think that Finn is like considered an anti-hero in the same way that Han is. Mm. But it's cool to see those parallels. I really enjoyed their relationship in The Force Awakens. Yeah, because Han was such a clear mentor to Finn. Yeah. So I think it's really nice that he's like the character carrying the torch for Han. Definitely. Um, and then the image that perhaps sparked off the most discussion from all of these is the one of Snoke, which is freaking terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's so fascinating. I was shocked and amazed when I first saw that. Like, because... Even though I'd seen the Making Stars description, the drawing, it doesn't prepare you for seeing the real thing. Yeah, they're really going for, like, Snoke is clearly human or humanoid. Mm. Like, he has, like, a white man's skin colour, you know? Yes. Whereas the hologram, I know, because we knew it was a hologram, but he still kind of had this greyish feel to his colouring and everything. Yeah. Um, he, he felt almost reptilian. I yeah. think in the hologram you don't get that at all here. 
Mm. He seems so like grounded in the physical. And yeah, like it's an interesting contrast because I'm sure this is a way far, far away from what many, many people were expecting. But I actually really like it because I do think it's a good way of presenting your big, big bad as a very different like type of person from like the Palpatines and like all the other Sith Lords. Mm. Because it's very easy to do like old evil guy robed in black, but there's something much more intriguing about this to me. Like the way there's these literal like cavities in his skin and it's like, Oh, it's just gruesome. Yeah. They're really going with the whole dark side corruption thing here. Yeah. Which they're obviously not doing with Kylo to the same degree for some reason. Like yeah. it's like a reversal of that trope. Yeah. So very clearly still presenting like Kylo is like beautiful and like attractive and Snoke is like the opposite of beautiful and attractive but mm. at the same time you can see what like JJ alluded to in the art book about um, like Snoke originally being very handsome until yeah. he was corrupted by the dark side because like those are beautiful eyes like that shade of blue that is a very like beautiful striking shade of blue but obviously the eyes are like deformed and like one of them is like sloping down <laughs> Yeah, and you just get this sense of, like, goodness corrupted as well from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, God, I, I know this sounds really bad, but this fandom has, like, really fatigued me in terms of Snoke. And I'm just, like, <laughs> I sometimes struggle to care because I'm so tired of all the Snoke theories. Yeah. I'm just like, Have you yeah, seen some of the okay. new ones? Oh, I don't want to. This? I don't want to. <laughs> Sorry, Ash. I just like do not care. I'm like the movie will tell me whatever. I'm just gonna say two words, okay? And I'm so sorry. Jocasta New. The what? Jocasta New. Do you know that character? No. She's the librarian. Oh. In Attack of the Clones. I saw that as a joke. <laughs> it probably was a joke. But... I hope it's a joke. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not sure how many times Pablo can say he's a new character. <laughs> Yeah, I also saw Chancellor Valorum. I think most people were still joking, but some people were being sincere, and it was quite funny. Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, then the last ones are the Praetorian Guards, and these guys, because of the nature of the costumes, it's almost impossible for me to tell whether they're toys or whether they're actual people in costumes. I think they're people in costumes. Yeah, these are people in costumes because of the set they came out in, but. I think just the costumes themselves, they are designed in such a way that they make good toys. They're so, so the shiny. Toys can be very photorealistic, yes. Yeah. They must spend so much time being polished. <laughs> um, like, do you like the designs for the Praetorian Guards? Do they do much for you? Um, not really. Yeah, it's just more that because it's kind of um, making it clear that these guards are going to replace the role of the Knights of Ren in the narrative, mm. or at least what JJ seems to have originally intended with them being like Kylo's cronies. Yes. Um, you couldn't really have both of them, otherwise there'd be way too many. Yeah. So, and we, ha- we haven't caught any glimpses of them at all. So I'm like, are they, they're maybe not even going to be in the movie. Yeah. It's Which a is, shame. It is. I've... Like, I just, I don't know why. I mean, it, it remains to be seen. I'm not going to like hate on them before we see the movie. Um, it just seems kind of a strange choice to me right now. 
because yeah. you already had like a group of characters who served as that kind of background buddy who would be like an action sequence way to show the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I know exactly what you mean. I do still think there's hope of seeing them because even though I totally understand where Jason is coming from and saying it, he's pretty confident the Praetorian Guard have replaced them, like, I still think it's possible that the Knights of Ren go to act too early and they're completely decimated by Luke. And so then, because they're taken out there, we don't see them again. And then the dark side costumed badasses that we see for the rest of the film are the Praetorian Guard. Mm. But I agree that does seem increasingly unlikely as time goes by. So you'd think if they were present in some form, the Knights of Ren would have seen something by now, but... Who knows? It's kind of strange as well, considering that Kylo is the master of the Knights of Ren. It almost <laughs> makes that title completely meaningless. If you yeah. Don't. Yeah. So we'll see. Again, you know, you're right. Maybe like maybe they'll show up and we're just not seeing them in marketing. Yes. They are keeping all the Act 2 stuff completely secret. Like, in, in, I mean, in terms of Kylo going to Act 2, mm-hmm. because there's not even any play sets of Act 2 for Lego. And that's quite clearly because, well, if you have a playset for Act 2, you actually want to show the bad guys going to Act 2 as well, so then you can have them fight the good guys. Um, And they don't want to give that away. Yeah. So, yeah, time will tell. Um, Yeah, awesome, awesome leak that made my day. (laughs) No, actually, that's not true. My day was already made because I'd spent it with you. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot to, we should have mentioned, but um, we went to that amazing science fiction exhibition at the Barbican. Oh yeah, that was really cool. It was really cool. It wasn't like very Star Wars specific, although they had some Star Wars stuff. Like they had a Vader mask even. Um, but it was just a really nice like overview of like science fiction through the ages, like from the 1800s up to modern times. Yeah, they had so much cool artwork. Yes, it was really inspiring. Right, and then the last thing is that there is a pinball machine for The Last Jedi. This leaked ages ago, but we've been so busy we haven't been able to talk about it until now. Yeah, this feels like ancient history at this point. Yeah, it does. It feels like so much has happened since. Um, but yeah, I still think it's worth um, talking about, so there's still some unique things here. Um, the main thing that first struck me when I saw this was that great shot of Kylo, like kneeling, like, a, that, like the questing knight that he is. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. And also very interesting is that you can see a crashed X-Wing in the water, which I think concerns some people because they were afraid that it meant that, oh God, it's just a rehash of Empire Strikes Back and the X-Wing going into the swamp, blah, blah, blah. I think it would be a nice parallel if it ended up being Luke crazing it out. Yeah, no, same. Like, I think... Like, that he's the master now, he can do it, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Like, it'd be cool to see him doing it effortlessly because that would be a very quick and easy way to show of how much he's grown in power and come forward. And for all we know, that might be how Luke leaves the planet because at the moment, we're not all that confident that he goes on the Millennium Falcon with Ray and Chewie. So he has to get off somehow. Mm. Yeah, so it raises that intriguing possibility. What did you think about this um, leak, Kirsty? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting when it came out because we'd not seen anything like this. Like, this was before the behind-the-scenes footage, right? Yeah, correct. Um, But in hindsight, it was almost kind of just showing us more of what we know now. Um, So, yeah, you've got Ray again in that very confident stance with the lightsaber raised. 
ready to kick some butt. Um, you've got the Porg sat on R2, which again, I think was like a report that Jason came out with just a few days before this leaked. So mm-hmm. he's on it timing wise. Yay. Um, yeah, you've got kind of Snoke's scary face in the background there behind the Batorian guards. Oh yeah, keep on forgetting about that. I'm glad you pointed it's, that out. Yeah, it's pretty subtle. Like it looks like it could be just like smoke formations. But it's definitely yeah. a face. You're yeah, right. So. Yeah. Looking very sinister. But yeah, and it's really cool. Still not enough to make me buy a pinball machine, but it's got great, great imagery on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll see that imagery elsewhere as well because you tend to find that there's these stock elements and they'll reuse them on all kinds of different stuff. Right. So I like to think that we'll get that lovely shot of Kylo somewhere else, for example. Yeah, it's an interesting image, isn't it? I mean, it's it obviously is. not very practical. <laughs> no. I saw but... a great fan art where um, he's doing that pose and then the lightsaber burns through the floor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it creates it's all like... kinds of problems. <laughs> but this seems to be a common theme with lightsabers. Like, they're almost always about to cut off their own arms and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's destined... Like is more about that aesthetic than the actual practicality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's all there is to say really about that. There's like you say, so much has happened since that a lot of it's old news now. But yeah, still pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, right, then I guess that's probably a good time to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions for us, please do send them to scavengershorde at gmail.com. You can find me on Star Wars Nonsense at Tumblr or on Journal of the Star Wars at WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you for listening and tune in next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>